God will call you to do something you don't think you can do. The good news is he can. Today on Telling the Truth, Jill Briscoe talks about those times when you feel inadequate and how to follow God's will by saying, I will, Lord. Jill begins in just a moment. In their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Jill show you straight from God's word how you can stand strong against your spiritual enemy and live victoriously in Christ. We'll send you a copy of this resource as our thanks for your support today to help others experience the life of abundance God wants them to have in Jesus. So call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces, 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388, or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, Jill Briscoe in the message, Standing in Moses' Sandals. I would like you to turn to the book of Joshua. Inadequacy, standing in Moses' sandals. After the death of Moses, Joshua 1.1, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you bring these people into the promised land. Now then, you. And I can just sense the incredible inadequacy that drowned Joshua at this time. And there's many, many things that bring a sense of inadequacy. It might be that you are a single parent. You have found yourself a single parent through no choice of your own. You're called to be mom and dad, and there is that daddy space in your life. And perhaps you have one, two, three, four, five children. And suddenly you have this incredible sense of, how can I do this? There's no way. Or maybe you have a sick parent who needs hospice care, and it isn't possible to have someone else care for them, and they need to come and live with you. And you find yourself in the situation where you are the caregiver. And you say, I can't do this. Or maybe you're promoted in your job beyond your ability and training. And you find yourself in a hostile, perhaps, environment of people's expectations drowning you. And you say, I just, I'm not up to this. I'm not adequate for it. Or maybe you're called to say something to a hostile relative or a dying friend or a group of refugees who've just arrived from seeing their husbands murdered and their daughters raped. And you say, I just can't do this. I feel so inadequate. And in a sense, in all of those little scenes I've painted, I've had a small part. When Stuart was traveling, I was that single parent with him on the road, months and months on end saying, I can't do this. I don't know what to do with the daddy's face. Or when my mother-in-law came to visit for three months and stayed 18 with five cancer surgeries and chemo and no insurance. And I faced nursing to the end. And I don't really even like the sight of blood. I remember standing in my bedroom saying, I can't do this. Or perhaps when you are promoted beyond your training and you find yourself in a situation where people are looking to you for biblical wisdom and you've never even been to Bible school 
like me. You say, I can't do this. Or perhaps when you stand in Croatia facing a thousand refugees who have just seen their husband's murder and their daughter's raped. And Dr. Peter Kuzmik says, Jill, I want you to talk to them. I want you to say something to them. You look into those faces, still in shock, and you say, I can't do this. How can I stand in Moses' sandals? Yes, Dr. Peter Kuzmich could do this, but I'm me. I'm Joshua. I'm not Moses. I'm just the aide. I'm just the follower. I'm just the weak one. Yes, I can do certain things, but I can't do this. This is too big for me. My husband told me about a film, I didn't see it myself, years ago, where Jack Lemon was a middle-aged man, married with some children, happily married, in a very tight family, patriarch, matriarch, everything in place. And he comes to his midlife crisis, and he buys a sports car, and he starts to have an affair, and he gets a shirt that's open down to the waist to show his chest, and it is an absolute typical midlife crisis. And he takes off with this young woman and begins to live it up. And then his father dies. And he comes back to the funeral. And everybody shows him and tells him how much they need him. The kids, his wife, the mother. And there is a scene, my husband said, that impressed it upon his mind all these years of him going to the graveyard and sitting on the grave of his father who has just died, and beating the ground, saying, I don't want to be the daddy. I don't want to be the daddy. I can't stand in my father's shoes. I can't take this responsibility. I don't want any responsibility. I'm inadequate as a father, as a husband, to do this. I remember the same feeling coming over me as I sat by my mom, who was dying. And even though she had become the child relying on me to care for her in those dying days, she was still my mom. I mean, she'd always been there. You know what that's like? And then she goes. And I don't want to be the mommy. Because this feeling of inadequacy. How can I stand in my mother's shoes? I remember babysitting our twins We used to call them Search and Destroy. (laughs) And they were about three at the time. I was there for three days while the kids had a very needed break. And I would beg the children to go to bed about five o'clock in the evening. (laughs) Please, please go to bed so I can. And in the end, I would say goodnight to them, and they would say goodnight and tuck me up, and I would go to bed, and they'd still be up. But I remember sleeping till about 5.30 in the morning when Christy, the twin, little twin, would arrive in my room about three years of age. And she would, you know, poke me and nudge me and I would invite her to come into bed with me, but no, she didn't want to do that, she wanted to play. And I just used to get up and open up her mommy's cupboard and say, go for it. (laughs) And get back into bed and go to sleep. And about an hour later, I would wake up, and she had had a wonderful time, and her mummy's closet was in total chaos. And there would Christy be standing with a hat on and a mummy's handbag, and in her mummy's shoes. And we've all seen children do this, maybe our own children or our grandchildren. 
And I remember looking at her thinking at the time I was dealing with a lot of ministry wives, pastors' wives, that's just like us. We are called to stand in somebody else's shoes. I had just been counseling a young pastor's wife who had followed a very successful pastor's wife. And she'd written me a very desperate letter. I cannot stand in this woman's shoes. She was the perfect pastor's wife. And here I am. I don't even know how to do it. I'm straight out of seminary. I feel, well, she felt like little Christy. And all of us have felt like that. Can you see that picture in your mind? Finding yourself through the circumstances of life and the permitted will of God in a situation where the shoes are too big and you are too small. And you know you're going to go flat on your face. And Joshua felt just like that. And even though he had leaders around him, he felt like a very weak link on a very strong chain. I remember that phrase being used by a beautiful six-foot-two woman, an athlete, gorgeous girl, on the tennis circuit. And she was now working for a Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and she was giving her testimony. She was running the whole girl's side of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. She was talented. She was beautiful. She was an athlete. She was everything. And to my amazement, she came out with this huge testimony of her inadequacy. And she used that phrase. I arrived here at FCA headquarters and I feel like a very weak link in a very strong chain. I cannot do this. I feel inadequate. And when God said to Joshua, now then you bring the people into the promised land, he freaked out. While you may feel inadequate, remember God is more than adequate. That's the central focus of Jill Briscoe's message today on Telling the Truth. And there's much more to come. You can't always see it raging around you, but every day you're locked in a battle that threatens your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. Spiritual warfare is very real, and you can't afford to sit this fight out. Your spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from experiencing the abundant and impactful life you're called to in Christ. But you can stand strong in Jesus and the power of His Spirit. And Stuart and Jill want to show you how, straight from God's Word, by sending you their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. We'll send you this encouraging series as thanks for your gift to help people around the world hear the message of Jesus through broadcasts like this one today. Your gift of support helps Telling the Truth carry the message of God's love to people across the globe so they can experience life in Christ. Call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you give. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. For many, our smartphones have become our social connection, but we want to help you make a spiritual connection with the Telling the Truth mobile app. You can listen to daily programs, engage in Bible reading plans, journal, and share your thoughts and prayers on the community wall. Get the Telling the Truth app through your app store or log on to tellingthetruth.org slash mobile app. Remember, you can also give to support Telling the Truth on our mobile app. Now, once again, it's Jill Briscoe. 
When God said to Joshua, now then you bring the people into the promised land, he freaked out. And God had to keep saying, be courageous, be, don't be terrified, be courageous. If you want to know how he freaked out, then read those verses again. This huge sense of inadequacy is enough to take us all down into the spiritual dumps. Now, Joshua had had many reasons in his life to feel inadequate, if you remember his story. Remember where Joshua begins. It does not begin in chapter 1 here. Joshua's story begins in Egypt when he was a teenager or certainly young adult. When he was a slave, and that young man would be out under the Middle East sun, the day that the slave masters came to crack their whips across their backs and say, make bricks, make bricks. Well, he was used to that. He'd been making bricks. He was strong. Remember, he became the commander of Israel's army, an incredible specimen of a young man, physically fit through slave labor, trained And then the slave master said, and today you will make bricks without straw. Today you will make bricks without straw. And maybe it was Joshua that said, how can we do this? Maybe it was Joshua that went up to the cruel slave master and took the beating that he would surely get for daring to ask how they would do that. Incidentally, God never asks us to make bricks without straw. He might ask us to make bricks to do the back-breaking labor of this or that, but he always gives us the straw to do it, not the Egyptians. And Joshua knew the feeling of inadequacy. How could he do this, this physical task? They put slave masters over them to oppress them. They forced them to labor. They built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in bricks and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And in all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. That's where Joshua was coming from. Do you think he ever felt inadequate as a teenager? Do you think he ever felt inadequate as he was oppressed and persecuted in his youth? Of course he did. And he felt inadequate to change things. Don't you think in all his youth and vigor, he wanted to have a revolution. He wanted to get out of Egypt. He wanted to help his people. And then, of course, Moses... Their only hope, the man who'd been brought up in the palace, who would be Pharaoh, Pharaoh's child, Pharaoh's daughter's child, who would sit on the throne, then maybe he would release them. And then this Moses blew it and fled, a murderer, out of sight. How do you think Joshua felt then? Joshua is now a leader, even though he was young. He was a leader of the leaders, among the leaders. Without Moses, yes. But how inadequate must he have felt? And then Moses came back and became a hero. He returned, and with Aaron, they faced Pharaoh. And God began to do the miracles and signs. And God led a quarter of a million people in one night out of Egypt during a gigantic funeral for every firstborn in that nation. And Joshua had been part of all of that. And he became head of Moses' army. He became Moses' aide. And there was no one more awestruck, no one more loyal than he. In Numbers 11.28, people are being disrespectful of Moses. And Joshua takes them on. And Moses says, don't worry about it. 
There are other people that are prophets like me. Yes, there are other people prophesying in the camp. Joshua said, forbid them, Lord. You are the prophet. He was loyal to a fault. He had Moses up on a pedestal. Hadn't this man seen God face to face? Joshua had seen Moses come down the mountain with his face so radiant because he'd been with God, he'd had to put a veil on it because the people couldn't even look at it without being blinded. Joshua had been with him on the mountain before the veil had been put in place. He honored Moses. Moses was his hero. And now this Moses was dead. And God said, now then, you lead the people. How could he possibly stand in Moses' sandals? And I can just imagine him saying, here am I, send Caleb. (laughs) Here am I, send Caleb. I can't do it. Dictionary definition of inadequacy is not being equal to the purpose, insufficient to affect the object, inadequate in power, strength, and resources. And the first thing we have to realize is that the first step to overcoming inadequacy is to realize it is God who is asking you to do what you are asked to do, not a man. Not a person, not a wife, not a child. It is God who asks you what to do. Turn, if you would, with me back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34 to 39. Moses is rehearsing the history of the children of Israel, verse 34. When the Lord heard what you said, their grumbling and mumbling, he was angry and solemnly swore, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your forefathers, except Caleb, son of Jephuel. He will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me, says Moses. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, you shall not enter the promised land either. But your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he'll lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said will be taken captive, your children, who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them, and they will take the possession of it. Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Who is speaking? God. Moses was told by God Joshua would follow him. It was God calling Joshua. How do I know if God wants me to do something? Maybe somebody has asked you to fill a position, to fill someone's shoes, and you say, I can't do that. Who's asked you? A leader? I think we've got away from this whole concept that when we're asked to do something, for example, in the fellowship of the church, it's God asking us to do it through a leader. And we think of ourselves as volunteers instead of servants. It is God who asks us. I'm so glad I got hold of that concept as soon as I was converted. I'm sure it was the girl that led me to Christ that got me there. And I remember thinking, I will never say no to anything anybody asks me to do until and unless I am sure it is not God asking me. Now, I will just presume that God has prompted this person to ask me to do this particular thing. Joshua's call did not come from heaven a great big megaphone voice of God or a voice like a waterfall, it came through a man. 
And God calls in a very, very ordinary way. He calls through a man. Turn to Numbers 27 with me. Numbers 27, 12. The Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain, see the land I've given to the Israelites. After you've seen it, you will be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was, etc. Verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God of spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of Israel go out. At his command, they will come in. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua. He had him stand before the priest and the whole assembly. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. Next time somebody asks you to do something, Realize God's calling. God's calling. Get your whole thinking turned around. Jill Briscoe sharing how to find confidence and strength when you feel inadequate. She's right back on Telling the Truth to wrap up today's message with a final thought. Between the pressures of paying bills, taking care of your family, and keeping up with a chaotic calendar, it's easy to feel outnumbered and overmatched. And those are just the visible challenges you face each day. The unseen forces of evil can make life seem even more overwhelming, threatening your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. But you're not without help and hope. And in their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Joel Briscoe show you how you can live victoriously, knowing that with Christ and His Spirit, you're never alone. This new series is our thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teaching of Telling the Truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like this one today going, even reaching people in places that are closed to the gospel. So if you haven't given before, now is a great time to jump in and help keep God's Word going out around the world to you and many others. And remember to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you call and give. Just call 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Let's hear from Joel Briscoe again to wrap things up for today. God calls through leaders. As the Lord instructed through Moses, verse 23. So what did God call Joshua to? Verse 16, to be a man over the community, to lead out and bring in as a shepherd. And Moses gave him some of his authority. Those of us that are leaders, we must be careful when we Ask somebody to do something, to give them the authority with the responsibility, not just the responsibility without the authority. Give him some of your authority. Let the people see this is somebody that we believe God is asking to do this particular task. The call of God 
comes through men. I remember when my husband tells that wonderful story of his call to ministry. Here he was, a young banker, moves to another town, to a little tiny church, little assembly that he belonged to. And a stranger comes up to him. He's been there three or four weeks, joined the youth group. And he said to him, how old are you? Stuart said, I'm 17. He said, it's time you were preaching. He said, I can't preach. He said, have you ever tried? No. Then how do you know you can't do it if you've never tried? Well, there's no answer to that. You will preach, said the man, next Sunday. And your subject is the church at Ephesus. Stuart said at that point he didn't know they had a church at Ephesus. (laughs) But he became highly motivated to find out all he could about it. And that Sunday, he preached about the church at Ephesus. Why did he do that? Because he believed and respected that his leaders were in touch with God and that God was calling him. That's Joel Briscoe closing out today's Telling the Truth. Before we go, we want to remind you that this month, when you give to support Telling the Truth broadcasts like this one, we'll send you Stuart and Joel Briscoe's five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. This powerful new series will help you stand strong in Christ and in the power of His Spirit against the enemy so you can live victoriously each day. Please request your series when you call 1-800-889-5388, 1-800-889-5388, or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're so glad you've joined us today on Telling the Truth with Stuart and Joel Briscoe. Come back soon for more encouragement from God's Word. Experience life here on Telling the Truth.